0: Hi, I'm Alex Abreo, And I'm Ayush Mera. And welcome to Breach, Buckeye's racial ethnic equity awareness centered in healthcare. We're joined today by Dr. Tamika Odom and Dr. Payal Chakrabadi of Open. Open Ohio Policy Evaluation Network is an Ohio based research collaborative that studies reproductive health policy and equity in Ohio.
1: We bring both of our wonderful speakers on today because in June, the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization overturned Roe v. Wade and ruled that states, rather than the federal government, have the power to regulate abortion care. In light of this decision, we've invited Open onto the podcast to discuss the current state of reproductive health in Ohio
0: and what we can expect in the future. Dr. Odom, Dr. Chakrabadi, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thanks so
2: much for Thank having me. Thank you so us. much. We are super excited to be here and looking forward to a dynamic conversation.
1: Of course, so before that, let's uh, just find out more about you guys. Like, what's your background? What do you do? Dr. Odom, we'll start with you.
2: Fantastic, I am a faculty member um, at the University of Cincinnati, um, and I am a sociology professor. So I get to teach the fun stuff, as I like to tell um, students. Um, I, also am a researcher with OPEN. Um, I have two major roles with OPEN. The first is a, um, as co-director of their communications core and so what that is responsible for is disseminating all of the amazing um, research to both the public and communicating internally Um, the research that we um, do as an organization. And so um, that's a really fun aspect of really being able to translate our science um, to the broader public so that folks can use that for um, policy, to improve practice, and um, anything else that they may have. Um, The second role that I play on Albin is that I lead um, part of the patient's experience project, which looks at Um, research that focuses in on how people seeking abortion care experience their care. Um, My area of interest is specifically around um, um, patients of color um, and looking at how medical mistrust um, may um, um, affect those seeking care and how patients actually understand um, mistrust. Um, within their process of seeking care, but also how they understand other reproductive um, choices and decisions that they may make throughout the life course. And so that's a relatively new project that I um, am working on, which hopefully we will begin data collection within the next couple months or so. Um, And uh, yeah, so that is a little bit about myself.
1: Wow. It sounds like you got a lot going on right now.
2: I do, I don't know if I sleep much, but you know, we we got a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And Dr. Chakraborty, what about you?
3: Hi, uh, my name is Pyle. Uh, I'm a postdoctoral research fellow at the Department of Population Medicine in Harvard Medical School and Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare Institute. Um, I got my PhD in epidemiology at Ohio State, um, where I did most of my research as a graduate student with OPEN. Um, And I mainly worked on two projects. One um, was understanding um, contraception use and access using a statewide um, survey of women in Ohio. Um, And then the other project I worked on was um, using publicly available data and chart review data to understand um, how abortion access has changed um, in um the context of Ohio's you know changing legislation so i'm excited
2: to talk to you about that work today
1: so to begin with how is abortion healthcare
2: abortion is healthcare it's not just like yes it is reproductive health but it's about keeping people healthy and whole right. in general and so being able to make decisions about your body and when your body has children and carries pregnancies to term has, a, has greater implications on your overall health, right? If I'm having a child and my body is not physically able, mentally able to have a child, then that affects my overall health. And so we wanna create policies and spaces that are supportive of people having healthy outcomes right? We want people to have healthy reproductive health outcomes. And that means helping people decide when it's appropriate for them to carry a pregnancy to term. And and that's about their health care, right? We know that there are several things that happen from, um, um, again, preeclampsia, high blood pressure. These are things that later in pregnancy could have adverse effects. And who does this affect? It affects marginalized people the most. Those people who are disproportionately um, um, at risk. We're talking about the maternal mortality rate, right? The maternal mortality rate right now for Black women is 28.9 per 100,000 live births compared to 13, I think it's 0.8, per hundred thousand live births of white people. So you got 29%, like that's, that's ridiculous. So in fact, black women are dying at greater rates when they are having children. And so if you have this mortality rate that's increasing, it's likely that this rate when abortion is not available will be able, will increase even more. And so that's about healthcare. That's about healthcare. It's not about um, abortion. And so I think that that's important. You know, I think as open researchers, we are advocates for science. Um, And I think that that's an important point because it is so important that policymakers utilize evidence to make the policies. And there has been no research that says that increased restrictions on abortion improves the health outcomes of people. There has been none. And so if we use evidence to support healthy outcomes of pregnant people, we will have a greater, healthier population. And so that's why it's important for us to understand abortion as healthcare.
0: Great. So to start, as of today, August 23rd, Abortion is legal in Ohio up to the point when cardiac activity is detected, which is about six weeks in pregnancy. Um, So as many of our listeners know, we're students from The Ohio State University, and we were wondering, can you describe how Ohioans seeking abortion care, for example, maybe an OSU student who is less than six weeks pregnant can access this care? Um, What are some of the options looking like?
2: So let's start with your first question related to uh, current Ohio policy on abortion care. Um, so you are correct. Um, abortion is still legal in Ohio, um, but it's up to and around six weeks of pregnancy. So the law is not tied to a hard and fast, like six week cutoff, but instead um, it's it's more connected to this um, idea around cardiac activity as a measure of um, viability. So if cardiac activity is detected, um, and this could be a few days before six weeks or a few days after six weeks, um, then abortion is no longer legal. And so it's a six week ban, but I think it's important for us to to know that it's really right around six weeks. Um, So the six weeks ban was actually originally passed in 2019. But several abortion providers requested for an injunction to prevent the law from going into effect because um, it violated patients' constitutional rights, which were protected by the monumental case of Roe v. Wade set in 1973. Um, but a federal court quickly agreed that it was unconstitutional and granted the injunction to block the ban from going into effect. Um, and then we had June 24th, a day many of, well, And many of us will never forget. Um, And the US Supreme Court made the decision to overturn Roe v. Bain. Um, And so as a result, um, abortion was allowed to be prohibited. The Ohio State Attorney David Yost immediately asked for an injunction to be lifted. And then Ohio's six-week ban went into effect. So let me talk a little bit about like some of the key details within that policy so people are clear about it. Um, So doctors can't perform abortions on people, um, pregnant people whose embryos indicate cardiac activity. Um, So that's the little, I could get into the science but I will not. Um, But it's when sort of these little beams are firing and there's some, you can detect it on the screen. So they can't, if that, that is detected, then they cannot perform um, an abortion. Um, So anyone who is in violation is guilty of a felony in the fifth degree. And what that means is like, that can have up to six to 12 months in jail and up to a $2,500 fine. Um, so the, the person who is actually receiving the abortion care is actually not in violation of a law. So I think that that's an important point for us to see. It's only the doctors that are performing it. Um, the law also excludes um, ectopic pregnancies. And then physicians don't violate the law if they perform an abortion to save the person's life. There's some gray area with what accounts for conditions that put pregnant persons' lives at risk, Um, but they include things such as MS or preeclampsia, diabetes, but they don't include um, any provisions for mental health. Um, So now let's talk a little bit about um, Ohioans, and we'll use that example of the Ohio State student. You know, if the student is less than six weeks pregnant and then don't forget no cardiac activity is happening because someone could be like five weeks and or they could be six weeks and two days and no cardiac activity is detected they would still be able to get abortion Um, or they could be like five weeks and two days and cardiac activity is detected and they wouldn't be able to seek abortion care. So if they are less than six weeks pregnant and there's no cardiac activity um, detected um, they can obtain abortion care at any of the nine remaining abortion clinics in Ohio and Columbus in particular has two clinics left and one provides medication abortion only and then the other provides medication or procedural abortion care
1: gotcha so then what about Ohioans after six weeks like maybe after that heartbeat has been detected what happens then
2: yeah, so I, I think after that a number of things could possibly happen. I can't we can't really sort of say what people would actually um um do, but we could speculate a bit. And I could imagine that after that six weeks. Um, anyone who's seeking an abortion would have to do some traveling. And for example, they could travel to Pittsburgh to seek abortion care, or they could access the online research to find where the nearest clinic is, such as something like www. Um, I need an A.com. um, And this helps folks locate the nearest abortion clinic to them. Um, people might also look for places that um, they can use to, to find Um, abortion pills. Um, And they might seek something like www.plancpills.org to find those things. So uh, the options are not great in terms of accessibility. Um, Accessibility is getting smaller and smaller um, that are there, but there are some things that people can do um, and some safe places that people um, can seek to get more information about what to do after six weeks.
0: I was wondering, could you go more into, um, say, a patient is, like, uh, the healthcare provider has found that it's medically necessary for an abortion to occur. Um, it's a life or death situation. Um, what are the, what is the steps and process that, you know, healthcare providers need to take um, in order to offer that abortion? Do they need a court order of, or some approval by a judge? Um, that's, that's something we've been hearing a lot on social media and, um, you know, something we would maybe like to clear up today.
2: Yeah. And so I think the interesting thing about that question is that there's a lot of gray area, um, that's there. And that's what makes things, um, um, sort of really tricky and confusing. And so, um, Dr. McGowan has done some research and this is another amazing open researcher, um, that talks about how, Laws are not always aligning with medical practice, which means um, how physicians are interpreting laws might be different than um, how the laws are written. And so there are some physicians that may act more conservatively um, than others for fear of sort of crossing that blurry line that exists. And so, you know, those lack of, um, clarity in those laws could lead to potential criminal charges, loss of licenses, um, and maybe even fines. And so when you were thinking about what determines, there's tons of paperwork that has to go in that physicians have to fill out to, um, determine whether or not this is a viable cause. Um, as far as I know, um, There is not a space where they have to get a court injunction in order for it to be approved. They still rely heavily on the physician's decision on whether or not that person's life is in jeopardy or not.
0: And how do you expect um, these options to change in the future, whether it be future restrictions, bans, etc.? Is there anything you can speculate on on that?
2: so we think a total abortion ban is probable in Ohio. Um, There are several abortion bans circulating in the Ohio State Senate um, and the House, and these include Senate Bill 123, House Bill 598, and then House Bill 480, all of which Um, ban abortion after fertilization. So that's an important point to um, understand. House Bill 480 includes a personhood clause that would change all Ohio laws to consider the product of conception um, a person. So under House Bill 480, abortion would only be allowed to prevent the death of the pregnant person in the case of physical medical emergency. And under Senate Bill 123 and House Bill 598, abortion is allowed only to prevent the death or serious risk of physical health of the pregnant person. So I'm going to ask Pyle to talk a little bit more about uh, what this looks like in terms of um, travel distances um, for Ohioans, because this will then change the amount of miles that people will have to go to reach their nearest abortion clinic.
1: So in case we do end up passing the total abortion ban, is there any way people can prepare for that? Anything that can be done beforehand in case something like this happens?
2: So what happens if there's a total abortion ban in Ohio? So let's look at travel distances for Ohio on average. They would have to travel on average of 157 miles one way to their closest abortion clinic um, out of state. And then what does that look like for Ohio State students? So if we're looking at Franklin County, for example, um, one way the closest abortion clinic out of state would be 170 miles, 179 miles one way. Um, When we're looking at that, let's look like just a little bit larger in the state of Ohio. Um, We've got Cuyahoga County, which is um, near Cleveland, and the nearest abortion clinic would be 116 miles. And Hamilton County, which is right here in Cincinnati, the nearest would be 222 miles. And then Montgomery County, which is close to Dayton, is um, the nearest abortion clinic out of state would be 186 miles. So uh, these are sort of Here's what would happen afterwards. But I, I just want to reiterate that, you know, we can't forget that there's no total abortion ban that has been passed in Ohio. So abortion um, up to six weeks um, is still legal in Ohio.
0: Expanding on that a little bit more, Dr. Chakrabarty, you recently published a study about future travel-related obstacles to abortion care, finding that a total abortion ban in Ohio will substantially increase the travel distance to access abortion care, including for Franklin County residents who may have have to travel nearly 300 additional miles to receive abortion care. Would you be able to speak more about the study and the other future obstacles to care and how these obstacles will affect residents of Ohio? Um, Who's affected the most?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, Um, and it's also a very loaded question, so I'll try to hit all the points that you asked about. Um, So in the study, we looked at how an abortion ban would affect travel distance for abortion care for Ohio residents. Um, And for Ohioans traveling out of state for abortion care is is not as simple as just going to a neighboring state because many of Ohio's neighboring states have or are also trying to ban abortion. So, for example, um, Kentucky has banned abortion. Indiana's ban will go into effect on September 15th. West Virginia lost access to abortion and then regained it and now has ongoing litigation. Um, And it's unclear what Michigan and Pennsylvania will do, though now it's seeming more and more likely that these two states will not ban abortion, at least in the near future, but this could change. Um, So in the paper, we looked at a projected... Um, "Quote unquote best case um, post dob scenario where um, abortion is banned in West Virginia, Kentucky, and Indiana, but is legal in Michigan and Pennsylvania. And in this scenario, the closest abortion facilities to Ohio residents would be in Illinois, Pennsylvania, or Michigan. Um, and then we also looked at a worst case scenario where Michigan and Pennsylvania." also ban abortion. And the closest abortion facilities would now be in Illinois, Maryland, and Virginia. So in both scenarios, people would have to travel hundreds of miles for abortion care. Um, In the best case scenario, the average population weighted driving distance increases seven times. And in the worst case, it increases 10 times. Um, And the 300 miles that you um, talked about for Franklin County residents, um, that would be in the worst case scenario where Michigan and Pennsylvania also ban abortion. And so to answer your question about how these obstacles will affect residents of Ohio seeking abortion and who's affected the most, it's kind of helpful to think about this impact in kind of three scenarios. So first, some people will travel out of state. The second group of people will try to self-manage their abortion. So for example, some people will um, obtain abortion pills online through organizations like Plan C or Aid Access, um, and this could potentially put people at legal risk. Um, And some studies have suggested that people of color, particularly Black women, are more likely to be subjected to pregnancy-related arrests or prosecutions. And it's very likely that this will only increase in the context of abortion. Um, And the third group of people um, would end up carrying their pregnancy to term. um, And we know that people who carry a pregnancy to term are 14 times as likely to die than those who have a first trimester abortion. Um, And we know that Black and Indigenous birthing people are three to 13 times more likely to die in childbirth. Um, And this rate varies by location and the level of investment in communities in reducing maternal mortality. Um, And then furthermore, not being able to access abortion has consequences, which are described in length um, in the turnaway study based at UCSF. So for example, denial of a wanted abortion is associated with economic insecurity, negative consequences in caring for existing children, increase in short-term anxiety, stress, and low self-esteem, poor physical health, and greater exposure to violence from an intimate partner. And so that's all in context of um, unwanted pregnancy. But abortion bans also have adverse consequences for wanted pregnancies. and so to touch on some of these consequences briefly, um, Dr. Odom already talked about this, but um, abortion bans prevent critical care for pregnancy complications, putting the pregnant person's life at risk. Um, and I also touched on disproportionate criminal, criminalization of pregnancies among black women earlier, but we will also likely um, see increased prosecutions for pregnancies that end in miscarriage or stillbirth as well. Um, So in all these situations, you can see how the burdens created by abortion bans compound in ways that disproportionately impact the people who are most vulnerable in our society.
0: Now it's time for the bottom line. We've talked about many different things today, but what's the one takeaway that you have for our listeners
2: Oh, you're only giving me one takeaway. I have so, so many that, that I want to say. I mean, I think the one most important thing is that abortion is still illegal. It's still legal in Ohio. Abortion is still legal in Ohio. Abortion is still legal in Ohio. I want to make sure that that information um, is clear. Um, and there, um, there are ways that we can um, take action. And I think one of the most important things that um, people can do is to stay informed, um, stay informed um, and spread the word. I, I think, you know, Ohio Policy Evaluation Network also known as OPEN um, is a fantastic resource um, and you can reach OPEN at open.com osu.edu um, and there are a lot of great um, information um, that is posted on that website that um, um, helps you get information, paints clarity around some bills that you um, you may not quite understand. Um, they come in various forms from infographics to journal articles to um, interviews that are there and it's just a great, um, um, space for you to get more information so that when you are out and you're having these conversations, those conversations are backed by, um, evidence.
0: Dr. Chakrabarty, do you have any takeaways or what's your most important takeaway you would say?
3: Yeah, that's hard. I think, um, yeah, Dr. Odom hit like all the points, but I guess one thing I want to add is that, um, A lot of people are hesitant to talk about abortion and engage in these conversations that are so critical for destigmatizing abortion, but people should know that they're very common um, and even our uh, research has shown that you know the majority of adult women of reproductive age feels generally supportive of abortion um, and. in terms of how many how many um, abortions happen in twenty seventeen, there were about twenty thousand five hundred sixty abortions reported to the state. So this is very common healthcare, um, and you know that should make people feel you know more comfortable also to talk about it because it it likely it impacts everyone's lives.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Odom and Dr. Chakraborty for. Uh, meeting with us today that was a lot of very vital information that i'm sure many people can use in their lives to our listeners thank you for checking in Uh, be sure to check out our instagram at buckeyes reach and we hope to see you next time on the breach podcast where the conversation starts here